Hey everybody, I'm Jody Vance. And I'm George Affleck. And it's time for... I will survive, I will survive, oh yeah! Unspoiled. Was that your performance? <laughs> that's my, that's why it's very popular drag queen. Uh, if you ever go to a drag queen show, almost always they will, when somebody will sing that one. Which I think well, because it's survival. Sure. It's, uh, yes, it's the survival well. of, the, of the freedom to yes. present yourself however the hell you want. I mean, it is really quite something, the, how politicized drag queen yeah. story time has become. I saw the the news that the Nelson Library, the Nelson BC mm -hmm. Library, has postponed their drag queen story time because they're concerned about the people that might come and protest and make it into something that's not safe for children. Isn't that just wild? The people screaming "safety for our children" are the reason why they got to cancel it. <laughs> it's kind of all out of whack for sure. And then you think of Nelson, you think well, Nelson. Isn't that kind of a hippie uh, place? But there is actually, you think of the Kootenays, it's kind of divided east and west uh, to the, you know, very conservative area and then a very left-wing area. So I think Nelson's becoming a tipping point for that issue related to drag queens doing story time. It, it does beg the question, though, and I know they've postponed it, but the question of, you know, the kids are in the middle of this basically political fight. And is this appropriate uh, at this point? How do we solve that problem? How do we... How do we not have kids in the middle of a political shit show? Yeah, way to get it's... us an E there on Drag Queen Storytime. <laughs> but I, you know what, George? Here's the thing that gets me. Having had Connie Smudge, who was one of the first to do Drag Queen Storytime and, and telling the mm -hmm. story of finding community there for, for kids who don't see themselves in their classroom, who don't see themselves represented in the schoolyard, for the people mm -hmm. who don't see themselves represented anywhere, really. And, and seeing in a playful way, I mean, we look at Dame Edna, like this is mm -hmm. not, this is not new. Um, I mean, Milton Berle used to dress in drag. I mean, there, <laughs> but there, this isn't new. It's been, it's become yeah. politicized in such an unhealthy way. And if you don't want to take your kid to drag queen story time, don't. Just like I'm not taking my kid to Sunday mass. I don't choose mm -hmm. that. And I would argue that more children have been injured in a religious environment than they ever have or ever will be at a library. And right. this whole, we're going to talk about Ron DeSantis later, but the whole banning of books and I mean, it, it's like tearing a page out of what has happened historically a generation ago mm -hmm. of, of, of trying to put marginalize certain areas of society in, in the name of making it a wedge issue. You've taught me about wedge issues, things that you can use to politically get your people to be like, ah, oh, I'm on side with that because I hate drag queens. It's like, how do you hate a drag queen? Do you also hate <laughs> Disney, Disney princesses and, and Mickey Mouse? Because it's dress up. It's dress up. Drag queen performances yeah. are sexualized in a club. And you, I would argue that there are sexualized clubs that, that are bars where you play beer pong. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Yeah, I think there's this weird uh, leap that people make to the sexualization of it all, which is it's not. It's uh, no. uh, either a way of life or it's something that, you know, they're passionate about. And I mean, I think it's a bit more than just dress up, but, uh, you know. Not think, in the library. 
Yeah, well, and I think that this still begs the question, I mean, at what point does this become so political on both sides that it's becoming so acrimonious that it's intentionally so, and therefore it's, is it time to take a step back on both sides again? Okay, let's take a breath. Let's figure out what's going on here. Why is this a growing problem? It's obviously deeper in places like Nelson and where this is becoming a problem. Obviously, in those communities, they're not ready for this yet, for whatever reason. In other places, they are. And so you have to ask yourself, what is going on in this town that's making this possible? Is it our schooling system? Is it other stuff, discrimination that's happening in our community that's causing this? Uh, Why is there hate in our town, in our area, where it's not in somewhere else? There's something broken um, and this is uh, uh, what would be a, um, you know, fl- a big red, white flag or red flag or a big flag, <laughs> orange red, flag, red yeah. flag of big of, red uh, flag, big red flag that there's something going on that clearly, you know, and the trucker stuff is sort of feeds into that, you know, this anger that's out there. And you shared that Arnold Schwarzenegger video, if anybody hasn't Wasn't seen that it, great. who talks Wasn't about that... anger, this division yeah. and this, why are people getting so angry about stuff now when we can't we have a conversation anymore you know i think that the drag queens is a provocative thing absolutely and kids are in the middle of it but it it begs the question about how you how accepting you are are you not accepting okay why are you not accepting can we not have a conversation about this that's kind of what schwarzenegger was saying in his his video and and it's certainly an issue in america Big time. That's I want to talk. I want to talk. I'm glad you brought up Arnold Schwarzenegger. I had the opportunity to meet him a couple of times. My former boss, when I lived and worked in Los Angeles, was in a movie with him, and I was personal assistant. So I actually had the guest book made for his private plane. Like it's really random, but I had schnapps in his trailer with he and and his personal assistant Anna and myself and my boss Pamela Reed. We sat in his trailer on the kindergarten cop set and and had oh, shops yeah. on his birthday. So I kind of got to know him a little bit and he's just as you would imagine. I loved mm-hmm. in this video, it's worth every second. If you haven't watched it, watched it, please do. Um, we should we should tag it on our Unspun yeah, it's on his feed. podcast.com. Yeah, it's on his Twitter yeah, feed. Easy to find it. But, mm-hmm. but his message, I loved his message because first he said, I'm not perfect either because he's certainly not mm-hmm. he's stepped in it made all kinds of mistakes he's a he's yeah. a republican as most of us of our generation anyway remember republicans to be mm-hmm. which aren't the republicans we're seeing today and we'll get to that well, in a sec but his message of saying okay we can argue that in a second yeah. but arnold's message was i'm talking to you if you're going down that path of yeah. hate and anger i'm i'm I want to talk to you because you can still change your mind. Mm-hmm. You can make the change to pull yourself back. And he started to talk about it. He drew a parallel between his struggles and weightlifting and what he did to his body, the pain of, of that change in order to enjoy um, the benefits of building the muscle and, and really the pain of changing and taking yourself mm-hmm. out of the intolerance and the hate and the white nationalist or, or racism that we're seeing biking right now and and you mentioned yeah. that because it it's lgbtq2 plus it's people of color it's immigrants it's i mean there it, it's unbelievable to watch some of what is taking place and the way arnold puts it and i think it's like mm-hmm. a an eight minute video so longer long. than most people most yeah. people's attention span but i implore you because he comes from a place of having walked through auschwitz mm-hmm. and and as an austrian 
as an Austrian walking through Auschwitz and, and meeting a survivor. His and, father and how was a, a soldier for Austria and how devastating it was for them when they came back and the you know, question of losing this war, but also losing everything else. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's very interesting. And, and, and then you can see how that makes people, it might make people angry when you lose everything. And, yeah. you know, and that kind of happened between the Second World War and the First World War. Things didn't get handled properly after the First World War. And, and as a result, we got Hitler. So, you know, how do we improve what happened after the Second World War to ensure that it didn't happen? But now, of course, we're seeing what happens when Russia and Ukraine and hate is yeah. everywhere. And it's about not making your decisions based on hate. And it's, you know, having been in politics and, you know, Melanie Mark was very, I came out, you know, talked a lot about her uh, in, in provincially this week. She did an interview yesterday on Global TV. I saw it, yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I, you know, she studied poli sci, I think at university. I'm thinking for anybody, like how, how did she not see this coming? And she's trying to say changes needs to be made in politics. I'm a bit skeptical about that, but I certainly empathize with her in the, torture that being in politics and the you know the even the things you don't see is the public that I, I was i was privy to the in a bad way uh in the in-camera meetings and the ways i was treated quite often uh badly but also sometimes the opposite quite nicely by the opposition so you know people that were opposed to me so it's, it's yeah but it's a it is a game and when i would say those kinds of things i, to, I said it once at the council and, and raymond Lee got so mad he said this is not a game i said this is literally a game what you're doing right now in this chamber you are saying yeah. these things about me to get me all riled up because you're playing this game and i'm not playing i'm not playing that game i'm not so playing that game but the question comes and okay do you lead with hatred do you lead with anger do you do you, if you're like somebody like melanie mark how she wants she leaves because she wants to change it on the outside it's harder to change things on the outside than on the inside in politics you know i'm sitting here with you doing this and i do other stuff behind the scenes and related to politics but you know being in politics if you want to make change it's better to be in the house than out of the house yeah yeah so. for sure um before we leave the subject of of intolerance and hate i'm just going to point out that as of the time that we're Recording this on Thursday, March 9th, on the 10th, mm -hmm. uh, Friday at 9.30 a.m., after seven years since the first uh, ridiculously disgusting email was sent to me by my online harasser, he is entering a guilty plea in a B.C. provincial court uh, at 9.30 a.m. on March 10th. So um, fighting for the things you believe in, I, I, I feel... Mm -hmm. I feel it, uh, I'm looking forward to being in the same room with this man after what he has put me and my family and my friends and my colleagues yeah. through. Um, and I also want to see laws change. So I kind mm -hmm. of I'm and I'm, I certainly have never been through what Melanie Mark has been through. I am not um, an indigenous woman, I'm a, an entitled mm -hmm. white woman. Um, but at the same time, I feel like there are many reasons why I should just absolutely not try and, and hold this person to account. But I am. And I hope mm -hmm. that she continues on her journey and anybody watching or listening right now, if you yeah. find yourself in a situation and everybody tells you it won't work, keep fighting. Cause mm -hmm. just like Arnold Schwarzenegger said, like my muscles feel stronger now. And I feel like I'm, I'm going to look him in the eye. And it's funny. Cause I can tell you this, I'm not going to say this obviously in court, but of my victim impact statement that I'll be reading in the courtroom tomorrow. I only had three words taken out. You want to know what those three words were? Any guesses? No, you go ahead. Shame on you. Uh, Shame on you. Shame on you if you would picket drag queen story time. Shame on you if you would come mm -hmm. after 
anybody online, anybody, shame on you to come after George Affleck for speaking his mind. Shame on you for screaming freedom while telling somebody else I mean, to shut I up. I could give it sometimes it, as much as I could take it, but yeah. But you don't give harassment, George. You don't give harassment. There's a, there's or, a difference lie. between <laughs> saying, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So there is that. Let's speak about um, not lying, but um, a couple of things we got to get to here. Pay transparency. Let's just jump into this because we're talking how different it uh -huh. is for men and women. The BC government introducing um, some pay transparency legislation to try and yeah. make businesses show the difference. I mean, about yeah, 17% I think this is, is the difference. Apparently. For, you're saying between women and men, right? The, yeah. the, the glass ceiling or whatever it's called. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. I, I just feel like my immediate reaction was like, what? What are they doing now against business? Because <laughs> as a business owner, you always kind of feel like this government provincially is on the attack with to us, you know, that they're, 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 they're certainly taxing us way more than we ever were. Um, you don't really feel like they're on your side, uh, provincially. Um, and so immediate, my immediate re reaction to that was what, what, what's going on. And then of course you find out what it's about and you go, okay, well, you know, it's voluntary and all those things, but I still am always worried about things that relate and government gets intrusive into business. And I know that it's, there's a definite, disparity like the, the, we need to deal with this you know it's much worse in the states i think than here but uh the, i got an idea gap, a pay gap for sure is a problem want, want to know what my my mushy middle suggests <laughs> what's that i suggest that the pay gap is transparent and and businesses do show the difference for the exact same mm -hmm. job between men and women because the difference is about 17 percent on average mm -hmm. um certainly a generalized statement it's on average some places pay exactly the same some are far more than 17 percent my suggestion would be in the areas where there is any discrepancy in pay equity that you simply just take that percentage and make it equal don't add to it just just give the dudes a pay cut they can live like a woman for a while it'd be great <laughs> can take a yeah, little taste of what we've know. been dealing with it's, it's hard to run a business and if you're talking about a salaries and hundreds of thousands that's you know i mean it's, it depends on the business <laughs> no. I, I just think it's you know that there's better ways in some i mean transparency is one thing but i think that education and uh and helping business i think that i don't know i don't feel like i, I feel like my i mean i'm not even what i'm old now i suppose hey it's not something careful it's not something, there mister careful there i'm getting up there but i always i feel like I, I never understood this whole concept of why you would underpay a woman compared to a man i think i look at the staff i've hired over the years it, it's never a it's never a thing in fact most of it's almost a, women, it's almost a room full of women and i don't know a more powerful <laughs> capable woman than your partner amanda and i'm not saying yeah. that because she's uh sitting over your shoulder but um okay but talking about okay from pay equity, I'm kind of going backwards here, but let's talk about the mm -hmm. living wage uh, thing going away in the city, yeah. right? Like paying the living wage. What was the living wage set at, George, when it was? <laughs> well, that was when I was 20... there. Well, I think at first it was, you know, uh, when I, it, was, it happened when I was there, it was like 18 or 16 or somewhere like that. Yeah. I think one of the challenges was that one, which I was always uncomfortable with, was that it was included contractors. And again, going to business and, you know, making businesses, um, have to 
include that in their in their proposals while also asking right. them to make sure the bids are the lowest um so it's a certain uh, challenge there uh and again it's like intrusion into my operations as a business owner not mine but right. uh, so you know how much is government getting involved in how i run my business i mean it, this we, we live in a market economy for god's sakes uh, and so I think that this part, the ABC party, which is you know, obviously pro-business and it's the first pro-business party, you know, government we've had in Vancouver since 2008, um, yeah. it, they saw that as an anti-business. Uh, it wasn't so much the city hall because city hall pays well and above the living wage based on that. So it was really an attack on the contractors that were brought in and uh, as opposed to the staff at city hall. So, you know, I think they saw that as a, a, a give to the business community, just like their latest tax that they've announced yesterday. Uh, which, okay, but wait, you yeah. got a story there. Explain <laughs> the tax first. So this is a tax break for businesses on the property tax, right? That's right. So one of the challenges that this came thanks to the province changing some of the rules, but uh, one of the challenges in, I think, any market, but certainly in Vancouver, where they have this thing called lift, land lift. So if, you, if you're on a piece of property that is has a potential or zoned, to be five times or 10 times higher than the actual building, you get taxed on the future, you highest, get taxed on the best. air, the highest and best use. Uh, and so I'm I'm on one of those pieces of property here on Broadway in Ontario. And my tax is actually higher than my my rent. Uh, so it's frustrating. But so I saw this, I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to, I went through the thing because it's very small. I was looking on my phone, I'm like, nine Broadway, nine East Broadway, 11 Broadway. And I went, what? And I, my building's not in there. And it's like literally every building around me is. It's like, hey, wait a minute, ABC Vancouver. You have to get me. What's happening here? So and it's, it's funny. Personal I you, I, it's personal now. It's personal now. But then I sent, I sent you a text telling you that. I'm like, the, I, uh, the terrible thing is I was in City Hall for you know eight years. And I actually don't know who I'm supposed to call about this. There's not, it's not clear in the report. Who, what am I? Because I think it's an oversight. Is it too late? The data, it has to be in by the end of March. The owner of the building has to submit it, which for me, that's going to be a challenge because the owner is very, very difficult to work with. Um, and so I have to get them to fill the forms that for a building. Because they don't is care. Not even, yeah, they don't yeah. care. And so. Because yeah. they just pass it on to you, right? Exactly. And the bank below who they don't care. I'm like, the bank has money and I'm going, I'll take the cash. Um, so it it's like, oh man, I, I I immediately could empathize with the general taxpayers for a moment because I usually can having been at City Hall, but I was like, oh damn, who am I supposed to call? Who am I supposed to reach out to? Is there like a there's no this is such a new policy and it's I mean, I guess I call the tax people, you know, obviously I can phone my I obviously contact one of the city councilors and say, Hey, you pass a report and I didn't say draft on it, so draft list. So I think there's potential there. Um, but I'm like definitely feeling for the for the for the people of vancouver right now when they come and feel frustrated by city hall when they feel like they've been neglected or and they don't know who to talk to and how do i fight city hall because that's what i feel like i gotta do right now i need the yeah, i want no the tax break <laughs> hey um talking about city hall i'm going to throw this one in as well i'm not sure if you saw it but i brad west or we got it you know our, we, we need a weekly brad west shout out we should have a sounder every time yeah. we mention the mayor of park coquitlam but he was talking mm. about their spring cleanup, their services of mm -hmm. large appliances and furniture and whatnot that, that you can use up to, five to come and right, pick pieces. up. I mean, yeah. why do we not have that in Vancouver? It's in Delta. It's in mm -hmm. Burnaby. It's in Poco. It's in, do we? Kind of. It's not. No, because I've been complaining but... about crap in my laneway for really? months. Mm -hmm. I've reported I it to 311. Call All a counselor. Of our... Call Frank. Okay. 
or call for call. I don't know. Call call the counselors. I I know that there's a budget set aside in the, in the council, uh, in, in the budget that's set aside for that kind of random pickup in alleys, especially downtown. People will drive down and they'll throw their stuff in alleys or they throw wherever their shit in the everywhere. city. Yeah. And um, it's impeding the laneway. Yeah, but yeah. So you where... should you should email the. It, there is a budget. There is a line item in the budget. Imagine there is a line item. Imagine, but wouldn't it be great? Because in Toronto, when I lived in Ontario, yeah, you could put your stuff on a street corner on a Sunday. No word of a lie. Any Sunday, you could put a refrigerator on the street corner on a Sunday, and within two days, it would be picked up. And oftentimes, somebody in the neighborhood would claim it, junk it, right. take it, sell it, do it, what, like yeah, upcycle yeah. it, whatever. But it was it was part of the process. You would just. Mind you, we didn't have a green bin. We didn't have green bins here in Vancouver, and they had green bins in Toronto, which I thought was crazy. Like my, for my, years, we had that green bin out there. And I came back to Vancouver. I'm like, where do I put my food stuff? And they're like, in the garbage. Uh, okay, that's weird. Oh, really? So that we, yeah. we have those now, though. Yeah, yeah, um, but they were very forward thinking. Yeah. Is my point. So maybe oh, Toronto huh. is just that much ahead. I just wish, I wish the I, city I, I, you know, I, would embrace I, I these that, things. Yeah, because I think you can't change certain human nature i in my strata building i'm on the treasurer on the strata and this is a conversation almost every year that comes up because we have a line item for the exact same thing there's a P, p1 level where there's an area where just dump your crap there like don't like because if we don't because we are i mean my experience is when if we didn't have this and it costs us i think it's like 1500 bucks every two months or something where we have you know, right. the junk company come um when we didn't have it people would just be stuffing their garbage like they're furniture under stairs and up the take it up to a different stairwell like hiding it everywhere and you're like oh for god's sakes you know they there's just a really table didn't... in the lobby yeah you're like that's not you know so we decided just to budget this in and say we're just going to take this stuff just put it down on p1 it's fine we'll take care of it for you we understand you're moving out or you just you don't want to you don't most people don't have trucks to take the stuff to the to the i always call it uh thunderdome the the transfer station like if, if the anybody's dump. ever had a chance yeah. to go there it is and if you've ever seen the movie thunderdome like beyond thunderdome it's like because there's like <laughs> big tractors moving around there's like stinks and there's like people wearing masks and gear and and you get out of your car and you feel like what's happening you're throwing your stuff in this giant giant bin and, and they're like, like yeah, everything in there yeah yeah it's really it's weigh your car a, I, I know i love going how much how much it's lighter like a, your cars that's they right. weigh you on the that's way right. in and they weigh you on the way out that's and right. it's cheap but you gotta it have is. a vehicle to do you that and i'm vehicle. sorry but it'd be really interesting to see um the hub community on their bikes trying to drop off the couch that they no longer <laughs> want um can we talk a little bit about first and foremost uh, before we go to federal politics because there's a mm -hmm. lot there too that what's the hotel thing that we that just moved um well there's well it's a report about how i'm lacking in hotel vancouver has the most expensive hotels uh, and so there's a few new hotel developments coming, but we can't build hotels fast enough. And and this was always my my challenge when I was there. I, there was no hotels that came forward. We were actually closing down hotels. And certainly during the pandemic, we shut down. We converted a bunch of hotels into rooming houses and things like that. And I'm like, what happens when the pandemic's over? We need places for, this is a tourist city. We make a lot of money off tourists. Uh, and there's never been a real plan to build hotels. There was one change when i was there just before i finished my term in 2018 2017 uh where we rezoned almost the entire downtown like seymour richards uh to allow uh, there's a lot of strata buildings including mine actually it turns out uh that were and so i i think i recused myself on that one um 
but it, we we passed uh, the um, to to permit those buildings to be turned into hotels. So there's one of them's already done. I think uh, along Nelson and Seymour, it's turned into a hotel now. So it's 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 a real problem in our city when we talk about we always are building office buildings, but we're not building enough hotels for a city mm. that really relies on tourism. And uh, I think people, when they come here, no offense, if you end up having to stay in some other town that's not downtown Vancouver, you're like, well, where am I? Why am I way out here? Yeah. <laughs> this is not Vancouver. No. I, I, know, it, the, I don't know if you saw the numbers that they're predicting for cruise ships. It's a new huge record this year, like 1.3 million visitors up. Like, it's crazy. Considering just a couple of years ago, U.S. was threatening to stop cruise ships coming here. Yeah. They so need us. News. And it's beautiful here. Exactly. Exactly. That is good news. Um, crazy times to be Justin Trudeau with the CSIS report that the Sam Cooper, Sam Cooper was on with, with Linda and I on last week's show, Steel and Bands. Oh, really? If you did not see that. that, go go to checkmedia.ca, watch last week's. The, the segments are all there. So if you just want to watch Sam Cooper, we talked for 14 minutes and he was unbelievable. Like the stuff that he referenced, he talked money laundering too in the Vancouver model and and how mm -hmm. that latest um, thing was yeah. was thrown sad, out of thrown out truth. of court, right? But like the the kingpin guy, no charges yeah. brought because I mean it's just so and, and the reasons behind that. But Sam mm -hmm. Cooper talking about this, what's been leaked to him about um, uh, the Chinese government's interference in our elections, federal, provincial, municipal, kind of non-specific, but certainly put the federal government. Uh, on the hot seat and Justin Trudeau basically going, oh, nothing to see here. Yes, of course we knew, but it's not, not necessarily for the public to know and then public pressure. And then it was like, well, we'll look into it. Now it's like, okay, we're going to bring in <laughs> special raconteur. Uh, it's causing a little... When, um, yeah, you know, we talked about this last week and I said, just do the inquiry. Just, dude, it's it's, it's too late. It, it doesn't, it, 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 people don't believe you. It's when they smell a rat, there's a rat. I mean, it's like, come on, there's something going on here. If there's not something going on, at least do a public process so we can see uh, transparently that there's nothing to see here. But right, no, you know, you're a politician. Nothing to see here is like, uh, okay, that means we're uh, houses on cue, fire. Something to see yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, house on fire. Look over there, everybody. Yeah, look, look over there. Look over there. Yeah. Spin. yeah. Speaking of look over there, spin. Uh, Got to mention Tucker Carlson, Fox News, <laughs> with this Dominion lawsuit that the text. The text messages that he has sent, that Tucker Carlson sent, absolutely prove that he is 100% putting on a show every night to his 13 and a half million viewers mm -hmm. nightly on his program. He said he absolutely hates Trump's guts. He thinks he's, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, what did he call him? A wrecker. Uh, sorry, now I'm, I can't remember the actual quote. But, but then there's but he's still doubling down, though. He's still oh, he's like doubling down. on yeah. the terrible side. Like he's going to town now with... More craziness. Seven minutes because I monitor all the news stations because yeah. I've just got to make sure I'm watching all the things. Don't want to live <laughs> in a silo. And and he spent seven minutes on Wednesday night of his show. The first seven minutes, the media's top story bit because you know he's got the forty four thousand hours of January sixth video because Kevin McCarthy it was part of him getting the speaker role was yeah. to to give it exclusively to Tucker Carlson first because sure. apparently he's the most important thing in America. Um, but he spent that first seven minutes talking about how no Capitol police officers actually died on January 6th at the Capitol. Like I just sat oh there God. and felt so sick to my stomach because they actually uh. didn't have their hearts stop beating 
yeah. in the moment of this and it was just mm-hmm. disgusting but that isn't i think ringling and, and brothers and barnum and bailey used to say the same thing about some of their animals uh, no animal has ever died in the ring at the uh the circus uh you know it's, well said george i i think i think this is uh madness and i, I there's some of the videos i've seen on twitter they're obviously faked they're like their audio doesn't connect that's that guy like he's shouting at them i'm like i don't think that there's a that's audio was done post um it's some of the weird stuff no out question. there but you know this the, what's interesting though is you know uh january 6th is having an impact on trump in a negative way and so is all this stuff i mean DeSantos yeah. is uh uh is not Santos, DeSantis. DeSantis. Sorry, DeSantis. He's pulling. <laughs> he's pulling ahead ahead of Trump now. He's yeah. obviously running for president. He's out there working them, working the the states that matter at this point, and yeah. uh, he's he's going to do it. Looks like so. Uh, did you hear what he, he said about Novak Djokovic? Yeah, he did. Well, I mean, he that's, used, to, he used yeah, to believe in right. vaccines too, and now he's like. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Only well, only he, he jumped on the bandwagon. I mean, the story, there's a really good if you if you listen to New York Times podcast, The Daily, they did one on, I think it was yesterday, so be Wednesday about DeSantis. And uh he was it was interesting how he jumped early on. As you remember back in Florida, it was the first state to go, nope, no no rules, no mask, you know. And then they took on Disney, he took on Disney. So he's yeah. he definitely got his finger on a pulse of certain that America. I don't think he's so I think he's figured out a road, you know, a way to maximize the opportunity there. I don't know how, I mean, how evil he is or anything like that. I don't think there's, I think, I think he will be the next president of the United States, to be honest. I I put money on that at this point. Um, Really? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, if Biden runs again, I think so. I don't think, I I just can't, I, I don't know. It's the momentum is definitely in his, in his favor. uh, And this is about raising money at this point. So we'll see. But you're, well, you're the Bill Maher of Canada, and Bill Maher disagrees with you. <laughs> well, Bill Maher says if Biden runs again, he wins because mm-hmm. the he while DeSantis can win Florida, there you have to win elsewhere, and there are places that have shown them the states that have shown themselves to be more purple than MAGA red. So yeah. uh, that red meat MAGA base, uh, which is what DeSantis is trying to pull away from Trump, because let's face it, nobody would be more dangerous as president of the United States than a second term Trump. Yeah, that is true. Although DeSantis is against, I think, abortion and stuff, too, isn't he? All those things. It'll be oh, for sure. The, where, where he's doing vote. every he's ripping, vote, ripping a page out of all of it. Yeah. Be what, and, and the ethnic vote will be where he gets it. I think I'll, I'll listen to what Michael Moore says. He's been more right than anybody right. on every election this uh, substack's really interesting oh we're at 30 minutes you got to follow us on twitter at yes. george underscore <laughs> affleck that was really good we Thank should you. save that as a sounder uh, at jody vance <laughs> jody with a y at jody vance on twitter twitter very busy these days in a wild <laughs> way but we'll meet you there make sure you tell your friends unspunpodcast.com is where you find us online. Click, like, subscribe, etc. Right, George? Etc. 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 Goodbye. Ciao.